0: Just thinking of the theme of, of men at work or women at work, people at work. I wonder if we could just do a really quick survey of some of the, the jobs that people do or have done, just to get a sense of the kind of variety and breadth of uh, of what we do with our daily lives. So perhaps people could just shout out some of the things that, that, that they do. Uh, with their daily lives, or what they have done, they've spent a career doing, or, or, or what have you. Just, just give us some, some indications, please. Gardener, fantastic. Retired. Retired. <laughs> From what, Paul? University. university lecturer. Wonder. Sales rep. Sales rep. A, groom. a groom. As in... Okay. Second. Lifetime carer. lifetime carer. Yeah. Wow. Second. Bovine husbandry. Bovine husbandry. <laughs> <laughs> Care manager Working with airplanes in the Air Force. With in the Air Force. Hospital volunteer. Hospital volunteer. Police officer. Wholesaler. Train driver. Wow. (laughs) Mum. Yeah. There's a job and a half. Wow. Amazing. Say again. A nana. Yeah, there's a job and a half too. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? In a little place, all those different jobs. And we've only heard from from half the people, but such variety. Our working lives, our home lives, our family lives. We're an amazing bunch of massively gifted people. And there's something so good and right and noble about our working life. And our retirement life, and our leisure life, our family life. Those things are so good. They are gifts from God. As much as we celebrate the the gifts that are given in money. When we're working, we spend the vast majority of our waking lives at work. Only a tiny little bit in a church building, really. But here's the thing. With all of our God-given gifts and abilities, we can so easily forget the giver of the gifts. We can begin to assume our own competence is enough and we begin to squeeze God out And we miss out. When we don't let Jesus into the centre of our lives, we miss out. And there might be different reasons for that. And I think there are two instances this morning in the passage we've read where people miss out on the life that God wanted for those people. And in one instance they, they encounter Jesus and in another they don't yet. But here we've got two instances, if you like, of men at work instead of God at work. Two groups of people operating without a personal relationship with Jesus. But as Luke tells the story, both times, what we see is a demonstration of the reality and the kingship of God. And that's, I think, why Luke tells us these events. So let's have a little look at the two things. And uh, there's quite a lot going on in these passages and we'll try to do them justice. But uh, we're limited as ever by time. But the first group of people who seem to be missing out on a relationship with Jesus are the disciples in Ephesus. Verse 1, Paul arrives in Ephesus and he bumps into a bunch of people who are are, are open to receiving Paul. They've been baptised by John. But Paul picks up that something is not right. I don't know how long it took him. It's great, isn't it, when we've got uh, the words of Scripture. It kind of happens in an instant. Now, I don't know whether he'd sat down for an hour with them, spent a week with them, but he picked up at some point by verse 2 that something was not quite right. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No! We hadn't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And, and Paul's thinking, whoa, something not quite right here. Here's some people with, with super intentions, good-hearted, good people. They want to be doing the right thing. But they're missing something. They've misunderstood They've not fully understood the message that John the Baptist was bringing. And it seems that they almost had responded and become followers of John instead of followers of Jesus. And so they'd said to John, well yeah, baptise us because we know that we're sinners. We know that we need to repent. But they hadn't clocked that Jesus is the Son of God and the one who died for our sins. And he is the one they need to turn to for forgiveness of sins. And so maybe this group of people here, good and, and, and upright as they were, they were missing out on something of God because they'd misunderstood. They'd miss heard maybe they didn't listen carefully enough but maybe they just had misunderstood there was a kind of an ignorance going on here because as Paul explains about Jesus and and who he is wow they realised the missing part of what was going on. And they were baptised. Again. In the name of Jesus. And that's kind of an unusual thing. Don't think it happens anywhere else in Scripture where where people are re-baptised. But but what's going on here is that that they were saying, actually, we we, we said, yes, we're sorry, but we didn't realise that we needed to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Saviour, and that we need to follow him. And so they asked to be baptized, to die to their old self, and to be raised with Christ. And as part of that, as part of the amazing mystery of coming to follow Jesus, his Holy Spirit is at work. And here we see the Holy Spirit come upon these folks. It kind of resonates with with the the, the account of Pentecost back in Acts chapter 2, where it was a really spectacular baptising of the Holy Spirit, where they were were speaking words of prophecy. They were speaking tongues, speaking in a language given them by God. God was showing himself in power and in sovereignty. In the following two years, Paul carries on in Ephesus. And some pretty astounding things happened. That's an understatement. Verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Whoa. What is going on there? Well you get the sense that even Luke's mind was a little bit blown. Because by definition, a miracle is kind of out of the ordinary, isn't it? So for Luke to actually describe it as an extraordinary miracle, well, that was blowing his socks off. People were just like taking stuff that that Paul had touched, a sweaty rag or something, and and taking it to somebody. and, And whoa, that was incredible. How do we respond to that? I think some, maybe some of us, but some who hear that might respond with scepticism. Yeah, I'm mm, uh, not sure about that. That's just a bit weird. Others might respond by, by thinking, cool, I want a bit of that and almost want to mimic it. And we see both of those things, I think, going on in, in our society. And I'm not sure that either are particularly the point of this passage. I don't think that what's going on here is, is to say that actually the way that the Spirit of God moves is actually you take you take something from a really pretty incredible person and you take it over to somebody else and that will heal them. Maybe maybe God will use people in that way. And I'd love to see it. Because <laughs> that is amazing. But I don't think that's the point. But rather, let's recall Jesus' words when he spoke about the miracle of being forgiven our sins, of being saved. Mark chapter 10, where he says, With God, all things are possible. It's not for us to force how God will work is for us to be open to allowing God to work with us in the ordinary and in the extraordinary. I believe that God is a God of miracles today. But I think he's also the God of the ordinary. I think sometimes we need to start there and just remember that with God everything is possible. God's sovereignty was shown in lives forgiven and in working of miracles. So where does that kind of land for us? That that particular story of a bunch of people who, who kind of didn't quite get it but then had an encounter with God. seems to me that all too frequently we can end up with kind of religious practice with nice people. People who are happy to conform People who are happy to kind of feel that the right thing is done without the reality of a transformative relationship with Jesus, with his promised Holy Spirit at work in us. I think we can make church life about being respectable, moral people that ends up being cold and dry and judgmental. Maybe that resonates with us a little bit. We can see it in other people. But what about us? Is there a danger that we get so caught up in our religiousness that we forget to cry out like Charles Wesley did in that hymn. Jesus, be at the centre of everything I do. As I go out to work tomorrow morning, Lord, would you use me? Lord, would you inform my lips and my thinking that I would honour you. Lord, where you know I'm going to lose my rag, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I would be more patient? Lord, where you know that I'm going to end up gossiping with a couple of the folk in the office, would you give me strength by the power of your Holy Spirit to stand firm and not run my boss down? that's where the rubber hits the road that our lives are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit Jesus living in us so there's one little instance where there's men at work but they let God in, and God is at work. Let's just jump to the second instance that we've got here, from verse 13 on, where it seems that God once again is excluded, where there is some kind of religious activity, but it's bereft of a relationship with Jesus. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus. Seems like these folk were, were kind of set up as, as, as some kind of exorcist type thing. They were setting themselves up, probably getting paid, to be fair, saying, yeah, give us a few, bread, a few, few drachmas and, and I'll come around and I'll, I'll drive out the evil spirit with a few words, a few incantations. They heard about Paul and his message, and what was going on. They heard maybe about these, 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 these miracles, and they thought, "Eh, hey, that looks like a good string to my bow. We'll kind of add that in, shall we? They'd say, in the name of Jesus, whom this chappy Paul preaches, I command you to come out. But they were playing with fire. They were messing with the reality of the spiritual realm. They had no relationship with Jesus. Their lives were not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. What does that mean, submitted to the Lordship of Jesus? Just hang on a second, think about it. It means Jesus is my boss. Jesus is the one to whom I am accountable. Jesus is the one who's going to review what I do, who I am, how I behave. These folks had no such intention of letting Jesus right in to the heart of who they were. They were just using Jesus' name. It was almost kind of like name dropping. Have you ever been in a place where you've been in a social situation and somebody does a bit of name dropping and kind of some famous person or something. And then they discover that somebody else actually really knows that person. And they look a bit of a monkey. Because they say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm best mates. Right? Okay. Name dropping. It's kind of what they were doing. They were, they were kind of saying, well, you know, oh, we, 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 we're, we're the big stuff. But then they get such a kicking. Verse 15. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. And I know about this man, Paul. But who are you? And then the seven of them get beaten so bad, seven against one, that they leave the house naked, bleeding. You can just kind of imagine the staggering out the door, flipping egg. just, what was going on in there? Contrast that for a minute. With Jesus in Luke chapter 8. You might want to just jump to that a second. Luke chapter 8. Just a couple of books of the Bible beforehand. Verse 26 through 39. We won't read it all, but you might want to just have a read of it uh, later on. That's Luke 9. Luke 8. 26 through 39. Jesus encounters a man, demon-possessed. He hadn't worn clothes or lived in a house for a long time. And when he saw Jesus, this guy fell on his knees. This guy was known as Legion, such was the number of evil spirits that were in him. But here's the kind of the contrast, because you see, where Jesus takes authority over these demons, that man, by the end of the story, is sitting clothed and in his right mind. Whereas these other fellas, these imposters, they're running out the door naked and bleeding and beaten. seems like there's a certain kind of arrogance about the seven sons of of Shiva. We can cast out demons in our own strength. I can do this. Don't need anybody else's help. But the reality is that God came through Verse 17, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. In fact, Better than that, those that had turned to Jesus, recognised that there was stuff still in their life that they needed to deal with. I love there's a saying that says, life's a peach, not an orange. What does that mean? Think about it. An orange is made up of lots of little segments, isn't it? And we like to keep our life in little compartments. And say, well, that's my work, and that's my family, that's my friends, that's my hobbies, that's my... I'm not talking about that. That's my... And we like to keep our lives in compartments, but that's not the reality. Our lives are like a peach. There's no boundary for God. We try to keep boundaries. And here these people realise that they've been messing around with sorcery, with magic, with the occult. Maybe for us in these days it's about messing around with Ouija boards. Maybe it's about simple things that seem harmless like mucking around with horoscopes and having your fortune told and your your tea leaves read and your palms read. But those kind of things will give the enemy a foothold. And these people realised that the name of Jesus was so powerful That they needed to confess, actually, I've been involved in this stuff and I need to hand it over. I need to deal with it. And I need forgiveness. So they did something pretty costly. I don't know how much 50,000 drachmas is, but it sounds like a lot. A drachma was about a day's wages. So 50,000 days wages, how many years is that? Come on, mathematicians. A lot. That's a lot of days, isn't it? That's a lot of money. That's a lifetime of wages, I'd say. And some. It was costly. But they realised that they'd been mucking around with stuff that they should not have been mucking around with. They'd allowed evil into their lives. I wonder, for us, do we tend to view God as a bit of a commodity? Do we tend to kind of view him a little bit like a credit card? Get him out when the going gets tough and we just need to kind of a little bit of extra help. God is not a slot machine that we can just kind of use for our own good and benefit. We need to recognise him as sovereign, as king, as Lord, as saviour. and ask humbly that he would so inhabit our lives that where we've screwed up he would help us to give that over to him and let it go. Because Jesus said he came to give life in all its fullness. He didn't come to give us a quite, quite nice little respectable segment He came to give us life in all its fullness. Our lives, which can be so blinking hard. But Jesus came to give us life in all its fullness. God is holy, He exists on His terms, not on ours. (laughs) I was struck before the service we kind of we, we kinda of gather to, to pray, those that kinda of come. It's great to come and pray. If you if you get about quarter two, you can put some chairs out and then pray. They're both awesome things to do. But I was just so struck that sometimes we do just trying to squeeze God down into our experience of life and forget that He is almighty. invites us to join him in his mission on his earth with the lives that he has given us with the gifts that he has given us whether it's in aeronautical engineering or bovine husbandry or or horticulture, gardening in caring in living a, a life of retirement God has given us a gift and He invites us to walk with Him. I wonder how you might need to surrender your life to God today. Maybe it's for the first time in its entirety that you see uh, Jesus, His Lord not just some bloke from 2,000 years ago, but he is Lord. I need to ask him to forgive me and walk with me. Maybe you've been wanting Jesus to come through for your convenience, kind of praying to him, saying, Lord, if it would be all right with you, I could really do with you just sorting that thing out, please. Maybe we need to confess that and say, Lord, over to you. In your hands, I am in your hands. Maybe you've been yearning for a bit of the spectacular just to keep you going instead of saying, Lord, with you all things are possible and my arms are open to whatever you have. If you want to do the spectacular, Lord, bring it on. But if you don't, Lord, I trust you anyway. maybe you want to keep him in a box and and you need to actually let him out a bit let him out into every area of your life